good morning once again to all of you. I'm thrilled today to be bringing to you part three of a multi-part series we've entitled Messy. Uh, Messy, the challenge of learning to love like Jesus. And my focus this morning is on the challenge of learning to love what I call the different doer. The person who does things differently uh, than the way that you might choose to do those things in a given moment. I don't know whether you have experienced this already in some sphere of your life. I think of my own experience of that in a variety of spheres of my uh, life. But one of the interesting places where this gets played out is in the dynamic that goes on very often when my beloved wife Amy, who's in the house with me here today, uh, when we're entertaining company. Uh, in the act of getting ready to entertain company, there are certain things which Amy feels are extremely important, and there are certain things that I feel are very important. And, and over the course of our 35-year marriage now, we have learned to deal with this tension those things that vex her about my choices and that seem confusing to me about her choices. And in the interest of having a 36-year marriage, I'm not going to go into the detail (laughs) about all of that. I wonder if this is an experience, though, that some of you find yourselves connecting with. Maybe, if not in your home life, then perhaps in your work life, or maybe in your social circles, or in your club, or even in your church, you think that these things need doing when somebody else seems to think it's those things that that bear doing first. The story that we read this morning in the scriptures is a story a little bit like this. And when we open to Luke chapter 10, which I welcome you to do with me, to the 38th verse of Luke 10, uh, we get this interesting picture of the challenge. Listen with me, if you would, to the word of our God. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care? Don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Now you see the different doers here, I imagine. You see the the two very different temperaments at work in this particular home. There's a, a dinner party in motion, and Martha thinks that the first and obvious priority is laboring in this moment. That labor is the number one thing. Mary, don't just sit there. We've got to get the table set. We've got to get the food ready. We've got to serve Jesus. And, and Mary, on the other hand, is convinced that the first priority in this moment is listening. It's not laboring, it's listening. No, Martha, don't keep running around like a chicken with your head cut off. We've got to be fully present to Jesus, is what Mary, I'm speculating, may be feeling in this moment. 
and you can probably understand the conflict here. Which form of doing in this moment matters? Is it laboring or listening? Is it being prepared or being present? Is it working or waiting? Which is it? Well, in many moments, it's both. Both of these movements of our lives are important in the total economy of God's purposes in life and in our world. One of these tendencies may be something that you particularly excel at, and then the other something that someone else in your circle is very good at. One may be something which, depending on the particular moment your, or, or your life experience or the pressures of the instant feels especially urgent to you, when in that very same situation, it's this other thing that will feel very urgent and important to someone else. And it's, it's my sense that a whole lot of the frictions and a lot of the struggles that we have in relationships in the various circles of our lives are, are, are often connected to, to our different doing, to the, to, to the varied ways in which we sense the priorities and needs of the moment. And, and, and I, and I want to just suggest to you that one of the most important things we can do to strengthen our marriage and parenting and friend and working relationships is to try to unpack a little bit more deeply the, the driver of the doing. For instance, in these situations when you come across them, simply say to the other, tell me more about why you're doing what you're doing right now. Why does that feel so especially important to you? Help me understand that better. Or can I share with you why I'm doing something different than you obviously think I should be doing? Can I just share with you what drives this for me? God loves different doers. God has, has, has purposely not made all beings the same. He's built a vibrant variety in his creation. He is one who wants so many different parts of the creation attended to. He's gifted us with many members of the body of Christ. The scriptures are re replete with those images. And, and learning to understand that and to appreciate that, even to celebrate those differences, is a major part of what's missing in our time. And is a crucial, crucial imperative, I think, for Christians in our time. And as we live into that deeper understanding and valuation of people and the way God has made us, there, there's a hope for a deeper kind of partnership and peace. I do want to underline, however, that, that there are some contexts in which one behavior, at least the two behaviors we're seeing in this story, may matter a little bit more. And I invite you to notice what Jesus says next during this conflict between the sisters. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, 
You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. In this moment, actually there's only one thing really needed. In other words, if you could see, if you could see, Martha, how limited your time with me is, the way I know it's limited, I think Jesus is thinking here, that, that, then you would understand that Mary has chosen what is better. Mary's prioritized things correctly here, and it will not be taken away from her. And I've taken that to mean for myself that, it, that in my relationship or maybe your relationship with God, if we have to prioritize laboring for God or listening to God, do the listening first. Make the space to do the listening. Because out of our intimacy with Christ, will flow a clearer sense of the next thing we should do. And out of that connection, that intimacy, that communion, will also flow the power to truly do that next thing. I offer that insight to you because it has been personally meaningful to me in recent times at a level that I want to reflect on and that has some significance for you too. Uh, over the past um, year, uh, my wife Amy and I have been coming before God and trying to discern when it is the right time for me to lay aside the work that I have been doing for many, many, many years and to move into the next season of our journey. And, and it's about this time I should apologize to the newcomers that have walked into this place today expecting a normal Sunday and encourage you to come back next week when I will be preaching a normal message and it will be a much more regular experience of Christ's church. But we have become clearer than we have ever been before on a sense of what God's call is to us. And so at the end of January 2025, I will pass the baton to the next lead pastor of Christ Church, someone who will lead our congregation into the next season of its wonderful life and influence. And I share this with you with tremendously bittersweet feelings given the incredible journey that we've had together over these years. By January 2025, we will have completed our LIFT initiative. I will have been here 28 years. I will be on the verge of my 66th birthday. The scriptures say that there is a time for every purpose under heaven. And I feel more certain than I could be of many other things in my life that the time is coming for me to prepare the way for the next leader of Christ Church and to help our church family and our own family, the Meyer family, step into that creative next season. I'd like to tell you a little bit more about the backstory of this today, if I may. 
and I hope you'll indulge me in just some personal reflections on this. But I want to tell you how we came to this particular decision. And then after I've done that, I'm going to invite my dear colleague, Tim McKenzie, who heads up our board of trustees, uh, to come forward and to share a few more thoughts with all of you today. I always knew I would retire one day. I think that should be obvious. When I came to Christ Church in uh, 1997, and actually even in the conversations that I had with our board in 1996, they would say, do you think you'd be willing to commit to this job for a period of time, a significant period of time? I said, you can count on me. I'm going to stay a really long time at Christ Church. I believe in the power of long-term relationships. I think that it's a great idea for a pastor to be in a place at least long enough for their character weaknesses and their immaturity to catch up with them and force them to grow up. And that happens in marriages too. That happens in lots of contexts of our life. And I just think there's something so wonderful that, that refines us, that builds relationships of trust uh, between one another that, that can only be accomplished by very long-term relationships. And this church has been blessed as we come next year to our 60th anniversary to have had two long-term pastors. I wanted to stay a very long time, I told the board. I also told them I won't overstay. I won't stay too long. I won't stay past the point where I can be really, really useful for the church in the needs of its particular moment. Uh, and so we began talking as a, as a board about the issue of succession a few years ago. In 2022, May of 2022, we had a board retreat. This was on the list of topics. We talked for a few hours about it. One of the questions that emerged out of that conversation was, will you be committed to stay at least through our next major discipleship and, and stewardship push what we now call the Lift Initiative, and I said, sign me up. I am all in for that. I'm really excited about what this will do for our church. But after that, I'm going to really have to think hard. I'm going to really need to think. I'm going to be more than 65 at that point, and we'll need to keep talking. So in May of 2023, we had our board retreat again, and I said, it's 2025. It's going to be sometime in 2025 that we're going to make this change. And I was thinking Thanksgiving would be a nice time to make that change, to give thanks for the amazing season together. Um, Amy and I uh, had been thinking, as many of you have already been through this exercise, and others will in years to come, about what the third third of life looks like for us. What is that next chapter uh, for us personally? And, and we had a very strong sense that if, 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 if there was a way to do it, we would like to stay right here in Chicagoland. We'd like to keep our Hinsdale home. We'd like to stay connected to the life of Christ Church. We'd like to be near, uh, nearer to at least two of our three boys. We love everything about Chicagoland in the summer months, in the warmer months. Hashtag we came from San Diego, right? And then we thought we would love to be someplace warmer during uh, the colder, darker, grayer months of the year, if that was possible. And we were not entirely certain how we would pull that off to keep our Hinsdale home and afford something in the Sun Belt when COVID tripled the prices there. We hadn't solved that. 
nor had we solved in the spring of 2025 or 24, 23, this past year, we hadn't solved for how we um, would not fall into what I call purpose sickness, uh, where, where we lose a sense of purpose in life. Um, I had an epiphany, epiphany uh, an experience of, 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 of awakening uh, as I walked through uh, O'Hare Airport uh, last springtime, coming back from a Fuller Seminary board meeting. I was rushing through, my hair on fire, trying to get back to get ready, for, I think, for a Sunday service. And, and I got to that point, and you've been there yourself, where, where you get to the top of the escalator that goes down to baggage claim. And, and, and I noticed, a, for the first time, a sign that effectively says, no return from here. Once you go past this point, no return. And I, I stopped there, and I let people go by me, and I looked down the escalator, and I noticed that the, the ceiling was quite a bit lower down there. It was darker and quieter there, and I went, ooh, that's a very different environment. I turned around, I looked back into the airport. It was buzzing with life. There was energy and multiple generations and a high ceiling and color and all, all of the zest of being a human being alive. And I literally walked back into the airport because I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to leave the life. And I, and I thought, note to self, be very thoughtful before you go down the escalator. And I began thinking to myself, maybe I just need to find a smaller airport. Because I was getting really tired in ways that may not be obvious to you. I, I, I know I, can, I still have an arm that can throw a touchdown pass in a sermon now and then. I know that my teaching and preaching ministry is something that I can carry on. But there is so much more to leading a complex organization that's, a, that's part school, part counseling center, part media company, part theater, part has, hospitality organization. There is so much more to leading this than, it, than is visible naturally to many, many, many people. And I, and I was just feeling a change of energy. I read a book last spring also that had powerful influence on me. It was a book by Arthur Brooks. I commend it highly. It's called From Strength to Strength. And what Brooks contends is that all of us have in our lives, and you might think about this for yourself, these two arcs, these two curves to our life. The first one like this, the second one overlaps the first and goes like this. And the first curve, he says, is the curve of our, of our fluid intelligence. It's the period of time when our, our brains and our bodies are wired to activate, create, initiate, um, innovate. It, it, it's an exciting period of our life when we build institutions and families and, uh, and, and, and other uh, circles in our lives. And then he said there's a second circle that's the, the arc of our, our crystallized intelligence. It's the time when we're best suited to mentor, to write, to reflect, to do complex problem solving, to do deep relationships. And Brooks contends, and by the way, Brooks teaches the most popular course at Harvard University. He's a Christian, and the course is called The Science of Happiness. And Brooks says that the error many people make is they stay too long on that first curve. 
And the reason why he says it's too long is because they're occupying a space that should be filled by another first curve leader who can bring the same energy, the innovating energy to that community that you did earlier on your curve. And secondly, you're missing all of the wonderful influence of the second curve of life. And so he says, three years before you would do it otherwise, pull yourself off the first curve. Make the shift, he says. And I thought to myself, I think, I think God's talking to me through this writer. And, and I thought to myself, you know, there's probably not a better time to make this change than this next year. Because by January 2025, our church is going to be in such an amazing place. The worst time to, to make a change is when you've gone over the top of the bell curve and are heading down. Because then it's so hard for the next leader to pull up the, the, you know, on the reins or the yoke of the organization or the church. And, and we're just going like this right now. You know, we're, we're seeing amazing numbers of families coming into the life of our church. We're seeing uh, all kinds of innovations taking place because of the uh, lift initiative and the, the rebirth of our preschool and the starting of a disabilities ministry. And we're about to rehab the entire infrastructure that supports our children and youth ministries. And by next January, we're going to be celebrating so much together. It's going to be a magnificent platform for the next great leader of Christ's church to continue this movement with all of you. There were also some personal reasons that kicked up for us last spring. As I've shared with some of you, my um, uh, siblings, I've got a number of siblings that are in very, very uh, serious physical condition. Uh, I would say three of them in life-threatening uh, physical condition right now. And, and I started to think, and they're all younger than I am. And I started thinking to myself, how much longer do I really have and how am I going to feel if that pain in the side turns out to be something really serious and I have to turn to Amy and say, honey, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that we didn't have that season beyond work. Uh, I, I would be just heartbroken if, if, if that happened. Uh, so all of that was behind my, my thinking in May of 2023, I need to say to the board, it's 2025. That, that's the time. That's what I believe God is calling us to do. Even though we hadn't solved for the housing issue, even though we hadn't solved for the, for the meaningful work in some kind of smaller airport, we just had a sense this was the time to start that journey. And then at the end of the, of the springtime, uh, I got a phone call one night. And the phone call uh, was from a, a retired pastor in California that I had known in a previous era. And he said, you must be coming close to 65. And I said, yeah, my next birthday I'll be 65. And he said, I am aware of a unicorn situation that, that I wonder if, if you're not the person for. And I said, well, tell me about it. And he described a community in South Florida 
that um, has a chapel in it with four different religious congregations meeting under one roof. Jewish, Episcopalian, Catholic, and Protestant. And each of them meet separately. Each of them have their own clergy. But the Protestant congregation, he said, which is the largest of the four, has a residence right within the community, and their pastor lives on site. And they do a little bit of preaching, and they do a little bit of teaching, and they do a little bit of pastoral care. And, and it's from November to May. And then the person can come or go where they choose, and there's margin for, for more in their life than they might have had in a previous season. It was such an intriguing thing that solved uh, some of the problems we were facing. How would we afford to live in a warmer place? How would we still be able to keep our home here and stay connected in the life of this place and the circle of friends we have in our neighborhood? Uh, how would we uh, do something that was meaningful ministry-wise but still had margin for other things? And it just felt like maybe God was answering a prayer. He was taking care of us in an outrageously gracious way we could never have organized for ourselves, And so we went and visited, at the end of the springtime, this community. And we loved the people, lovely people there, beautiful community, a, a significant little ministry going on in that place. But there were major obstacles. They wanted us to come now, about now, just before Easter, this year, they had a housing arrangement that would have made it very difficult for us to bring kids and uh, hopefully grandkids uh, into our circle downstream. There were some other obstacles, and so we basically said, we don't think we could possibly be the ones for you for those reasons, and so we bless you and we'll pray for your search. And then we came back home, and we went on with ministry and life here. And then in September of this past year, another phone call came through. And it was the chairman of their search committee, and he said, we will meet all of your requirements if you will come to us. We'll change the dates, we'll work out the housing, we'll make the other arrangements if you will come to us. And so at that point, I brought in my friend Tim McKenzie and said, Tim, I think there's a situation that might be getting very real here, potentially. Uh, we eventually went down, and I preached in that community uh, and they extended a formal offer for us to come beginning in February of 2025. And so, God willing, that is our plan. To finish out this amazing year together, uh, to continue to do all the things that I have been doing here and with joy, um, to journey together all the way into the new year to celebrate the, the Lyft Initiative, and then to, to head down to uh, what will be Key Largo, the northern tip of Key Largo. Uh, and we'll be there uh, for a few months. We'll eventually return here to Chicagoland. We hope to make Christchurch our continuing home, though we'll disappear for a little while to give space to the next pastor. But chances are, sometime in the coming years, I'm going to sit next to you in worship, and we're going to sing songs and hymns together. And, uh, and this will be a continuing relationship we have, albeit no longer as your lead pastor. 
I want to invite Tim to come forward now and to share some thoughts on behalf of our Board of Trustees. Thank you for so patiently enduring me uh, here today. And uh, Tim, would love to hear what's uh, going on from your perspective and that of our board. Thank you, Dan. Um, good morning, everyone. Uh, before I share more about the transition process from the perspectives of the trustees, I just want to acknowledge this moment right now that you're feeling and, and the weight of what you might be feeling right now. I know that if it was possible for Dan to have this conversation personally with every one of you, that's exactly what he would do. There's no doubt that he truly loves the people of Christ Church, which is why this is such an emotional day for him and for us. As a trustee for the last eight years, I've always been aware of the eventual reality that one day we would need to put in place a succession process to transition from Dan to the next lead pastor. However, there's a difference, a big difference, between knowing something will one day happen to realizing that it's now a reality. And there is a time frame in place for it to happen. In the past, our trustee discussions about the need to plan for a lead pastor succession were thoughtful but theoretical. However, things changed last May, as Dan indicated, when he shared with the trustees that he felt it was nearing the right time after the completion of the Lyft initiative for him to step aside and make way for a new lead pastor to take Christ Church into its next season of growth and flourishing. Hearing Dan say that he felt the Lord calling him to make this transition in early 2025 left me a bit shaken. His news brought on a combination of sadness, uncertainty, and responsibility. It was no longer just a conceptual governance exercise. This was actually going to happen. In that moment, I felt the heaviness of the change to come, perhaps as you're feeling it right now. I've been processing all of this for almost 10 months now. That time has allowed me to begin to focus on the next season, the next season for Dan and Amy, the next season for Christ Church, and the next season for all of us. I understand that for many of you, it will be necessary and important to first mourn over this news. That is completely understandable and speaks volumes for how much Dan's leadership of this church has meant to us. Dan's impact on the life of this church and on my own life has been immeasurable, as it has been for so many of you. However, in the weeks and months ahead, I, as well as Dan, am going to invite you to begin to focus on all that God is doing in this next exciting season of our life together as a church community. God has a plan, and we are blessed to be part of that plan. God's plan for our church is so much greater than any single individual. We need to understand, not only in our head, but in our heart, that God is in this with us, and He is in control. 27 years ago, this church relied on that truth when our founding pastor, Dr. Arthur DeCryder, decided it was his time to step aside for the next leader of Christ Church. The first chapter was ending, and it was time for the next chapter to begin. Dan Meyer has led this church both faithfully and well through that second chapter, and now we need to focus on doing our part to bring Christ Church to the third chapter of our story. I have great confidence in the providence of the God who raised up the last two pastors, and even more importantly, the people who are Christ Church. The Christ Church Constitution, our governing document, has established the trustee board to be responsible for the succession process in bringing forth a lead pastor candidate for our membership's consideration and approval. Let me assure you that we are fully engaged 
and focused on this responsibility. The trustees have a purposeful and comprehensive plan moving forward. We have been immersed in a thoughtful, deliberate, and prayerful process that has included a core working team, a prayer team, and outside experts to assist us. Over the last six months, a group of your fellow members consisting of some trustees and other experienced leaders in this church have been meeting with a consultant to craft a leadership profile that will help us identify our next lead pastor. This search team has recently completed a round of extensive in, of interviews and has hired a nationally recognized executive search firm that specializes in senior pastor placements for churches of our size and scope. I would be remiss if I didn't highlight the amazing level of attention and contribution Dan has made to this effort. He has served and loved this church well for the past 27 years, and the manner in which he has worked closely with the trustee board to prepare for his successful transition reflects the character and selfless dedication of the pastor we all know so well. He is unquestionably all in on ensuring a smooth transition and a path to even greater things for our church in the next season. The congregation also plays an important role in this season. Your prayers are invaluable at this time. We're, there will also be an opportunity for you to be part of this process. The trustees and search committee will convene a series of focus groups to gain input and insight on the candidate profile and the needs of Christ Church prospectively. Our goal is to have our next lead pastor in place later this year in order to have an overlap period with Dan until the end of January 2025 when he will step down from his position as lead pastor of Christ Church. In addition, the trustees have asked, and Dan has agreed, to serve in a consulting role as our lead pastor emeritus beginning next February through December 2025. Our primary objective is to position Christ Church for a thoughtful leadership succession while providing stability for both our staff and congregation. While Dan's responsibilities in this role will be flexible, we anticipate he will serve as an advisor, consultant, historian, mentor, and advocate for our next lead pastor. Over the next year, Dan will continue to remain focused on the work he has been doing for the past 27 years, preaching, teaching, mentoring our terrific staff, leading our trustee and elder boards, and exercising the gracious pastoral care he has always shown for this congregation. Later this year, we will provide ample opportunities for the congregation to celebrate this past season with Dan prior to the January 2025 transition. I encourage you to access the Lead Pastor Transition page, which will be posted on our website this afternoon. This page will provide a congregational letter from Dan, helpful FAQs on the process, information on the search team, and much more. On behalf of the trustee board, I promise to keep you posted on a regular basis as we move forward together on this journey. In addition, please try to attend our annual meeting, which will be held on the evening of March 12th, a week from this coming Tuesday. Church members can register via our website, the Christchurch Connect app, or a link in the Sunday News email you received this morning. The annual meeting will be an opportunity to you, for you to hear from church leadership more on this topic and on the health of our ministry and mission while also providing time for Q&A. Finally, I ask you to join me in three things. Acknowledge that change can be challenging. Don't run from it. As a people of faith and with God's guidance and assurance, we will navigate this together. Secondly, accept the reality and the opportunity for a new chapter in this amazing story of Christ Church. 
Just watch what great things God can do. And finally, commit to joining me in being a prayer partner and a positive advocate in this journey. Pray that we will follow God's direction, boldly asking him to bless our church through the remainder of Dan's leadership in many years to come. God has called us to be a church that goes into all the world with the message and hope of his redeeming love. While at this time we may grieve this change and feel its heaviness, I pray that together we would each experience the peace and knowledge that God has a plan to lead Christ Church into a new season of flourishing and impact in our community and throughout the world. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. I remember when Amy and I visited here for the first time in 1996, uh, and we, were, we felt like we were living in paradise in San Diego. We, we were bowled over by the quality of faith and love and intelligence we met in the board of trustees of this church. And I will say that that hasn't changed over the 27 years we've served here. Christ Church is being served by an amazing group of leaders, and, and they're more invisible to you than the staff is, obviously, but they are no less dedicated to the quality of Christ Church's life, and I feel really, really confident about the, the leadership that the church has in a continuing way, and you've gotten just a little sense of it this morning as, you, as you've heard uh, Tim talking. I too have just a few asks to make of you, um, and before we let you go today, you've sat a long time. Uh, I wanted to say, uh, first of all, just an act to echo the invitation to prayer. Please, please be praying for our church during this season. Uh, pray for God's good will to be done. Do pray for Amy and for me. This is very unfamiliar territory for us. It's, a, it's incredibly complex emotionally. Uh, pray that God uh, meets us in the way that we need to be met in order to be present to uh, our congregation in the months to come. Secondly, thank you so much for your support, your continuing support of Christ Church, time, talent, and treasure. In, in order to make a successful transition, the church has to be stable. It's why we chose to go at this time, because we are so strong right now. Please keep that up. I just, I, I blanched the thought of what it would be like for a successor to come into a church that was declining in its resourcing, in, in, its, in its energy as a church, and how much harder the job would be uh, to, to follow a long-term pastor. So thank you so much for continuing to be the strong supporters of the church that you are. Uh, thirdly, please stand up for and stand behind the person God brings to us next. It is not a small thing to follow after a, a very long-term pastor. I know that from experience. I know that whoever starts this job will not, be, uh, 60, will not have 65 years or 66 years of experience. And they will have to grow into this role. But they will bring such needed gifts and capacities. And, and it will make all the difference if you, when that time comes, if you are patient and encouraging and supportive and communicative with that leader. Had there not been people like you who stood with us during the early days when the turbulence of change occurred, we would not still be here. And, and I know it's to our benefit to have another really long-term pastorate, but, but whether or not we do lies very much within the, the influence of the people of Christ Church and how they respond to the next leader. The last thing I would ask of you is, don't hurry us out the door. 
in, in the famous words of a character from uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, not dead yet, <laughs> we're still here and we're going to be really engaged in all of the normal ways, as Tim mentioned, throughout our tenure here. We will be sprinting as we come, break through the tape in January 25, and we have so many exciting things to do together uh, over these uh, next 11 months. Uh, so, so thank you for being Christ Church, for the inestimable privilege that it is for Amy and for me to be here in this circle. And I want to just close our time together with a word of prayer, and then we'll stand and sing uh, one final uh, song to the praise of God uh, before we go. Would you please bow your heads with me? Good and gracious Lord, I don't know if you grow tired of hearing me say this to you, but I, I praise you for your kindness in allowing me to be in this community, my family in this community of faith. I also thank you, Lord, that there is not a single angel in heaven who is wringing their hands over the news of the Christ Church transition right now. I praise you, Jesus, that you are the great head of the church, that you are the master above any pastor, that you have foreseen this moment from eternity, that just as you prepared Arthur and Gladys de Kreider and then Amy and Dan Meyer to join the amazing story that is Christ Church, so we believe you are also readying the pastor and family who will join with you and all of these other remarkable servants of yours as you, Lord, write the third great chapter. Lord, thank you. Thank you for letting Amy and me and our children play a, a small part in the flow of your grace through this remarkable people and place. And I dare to ask you, Lord, please, Please move in a way that makes this next year even more meaningful and joyful than the ones before. For your glory, for the blessing of the people you've sent us to reach, and in the name of Jesus we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.